Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I am very excited to bring to you today my conversation with my fellow Nerd Avenger, We have met and just become incredibly fond of each other through the Mary Trump show. If you guys watch that on YouTube, Dahlia Lithwick has written a new book that is entitled Lady Justice, Women, the Law and the Battle to Save America. And in this book, Dahlia lays out a history of women and the law going back to a time and are not too distant history where women had no rights in this country. That's right. And I'm not just talking about abortion. I'm also talking about financial independence. I'm also talking about workplace independence. I'm also talking about bodily autonomy. And what Dahlia talks about in our interview gets into is also the correlations that we need to be drawing between what is happening right now on the streets of Iran being led by women and pushing back against an oppressive regime that wants to dictate how they look, where they go, what they wear, and what is happening with the Christo-fascist Republican movement in the United States. We cannot sit here in the U.S. and clutch our pearls and look at Iran and say, oh, those poor women, solidarity, and throw up a fist and think that what is happening, what has happened over the last 40-plus years in Iran can't happen or isn't happening in the United States right now. Dahlia and I will also talk about the upcoming Supreme Court docket and all of the major cases that are on there from affirmative action to voting rights and to more cases with regard to bodily autonomy and how one decision at a time this Supreme Court is set to disrupt ruin, crumble, destroy 
our democracy and women's bodily autonomy and black people's ability to, you know, access the American dream. So folks, when we look at these other countries and we see them pushing back in revolution against these regimes, understand that authoritarian control doesn't always come in rolling down the street with tanks and in military uniform. It doesn't always come with the assassination, right, of said Shah or said leader or dictator. No, it also comes in the form of dictators that are wearing black robes. It also comes in the form of a Republican party that decides that they no longer believe in the constitution. They no longer believe in the rule of law and they no longer believe in the ability of the people to decide how they want to live. We are supposed to be a government that is for and by the people of these United States and what the Republican Party is telling us and has been telling us for the last several fucking decades and now has a megaphone is that fuck you and your laws, fuck you and your civil liberties, fuck you and your bodily autonomy, right? I'm going to put you back in your place, women, black people, queer people, disabled people, right? One decision at a time. And I'm telling you right now, I ain't going out like that. And I know many of you that listen to Woke AF aren't either. So pay attention. Pay attention to what we are seeing in Iran. Pay attention to how women are leading the fight and the pushback against authoritarianism. And I've been saying this, folks, if you've been listening to this show since 2016 when I launched it, that things in America are going to get bloodier before they get better. And I say that not from a place of hyperbole, not from a place of joy, but from a place of reality that I need all of us to grasp onto so that we are not caught off guard and surprised as apparently everyone was in June when the Republican party did exactly what it was that they have been saying that they would do for 40 plus years, which was roll back Roe v. Wade. When people show you who the fuck they are, believe them. And it's time that the American people show the Christo-fascist Republican movement who the fuck we are. Coming up next, my conversation with my friend, Dahlia Lithwick. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily my fellow nerd avenger, Dahlia Lithwick, who is the author of the new book, Lady Justice, Women, the Law, and the Battle to Save America. Dahlia, I think that what is really fascinating and the perfect timing of your book is that it comes at a time when for the first time in American history, since women have actually actualize themselves as full and complete citizens, that we are seeing a rollback in rights and protections for women that we have not seen since prior to, I would say, 1974. What is also interesting about your book is that it takes us through this history of women in law 
bringing us back to a not too distant future that I think that I'm so grateful for you in bringing it to the forefront. The way that women have been treated, right? Women who are, who were going in front of the court and needing to wear skirts, who are representatives in our Senate and in the House of Representatives needing and being told to that they had to wear skirts on the floor. This is but just 40 some odd years ago that we understand that women didn't have the the right to have a credit card without the uh without the uh authority of a husband or a father. That was in the 1970s in these United States and I bring this up because while we are watching our rights being rolled back in this country, we're also watching at the same time a historic women-led revolution that is happening in Iran. And we always love in America to point the finger at the Middle Eastern countries and say, oh, look at them. That could never be us. Morality police, that's crazy. While they're being forced to wear hijabs, we're being forced to give birth. So talk to us about how your book is dropping at a time when women are being pushed back into a class of citizenship that modern day women have only ever read about. Yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, Danielle, thank you for uh, having me on. I've been actually really psyched to talk about you because I feel like in our conversations, you're one of the only people who just relentlessly says, like, if you choose to forget the past, you don't know what's coming in the future. And I think like, if you don't have that on a t-shirt, you should, because I think you have really been a clarion voice of, and, and you make this point in your piece that this week about Iran, my husband and I are obsessed with photos of Iranian women from the 70s in their like bell bottoms and their wedge heels and their t-shirts, because you can't look at that and look at where we are today and not understand. This isn't like past is prologue. This is (laughs) past is exactly where we think we are irrevocably now, that we're going to forever and ever live in a world of equality and rights and dignity. And then fast forward a couple decades and, you know, women are, as you note, um, being killed for not wearing a headscarf appropriately by the quote unquote morality police. And so I think the refusal to not just look at what has happened in the past, like you say, you know, ask your grandmother if she had a credit card in her name, ask her if her, you know, mother had a credit card in her name, ask if, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody raped their wife that they knew if that could be charged as rape, it could not. And, you know, I always say to people, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we like to think she sort of sprung fully form out of the ether. Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to hide her pregnancy or she would have been fired. And that wasn't the 1920s. And so Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. It's recent past. And I think that the two points that you're making that are both really important is that to be ahistoric about any of this is to fail to understand how much we had to claw equality and equal protection and dignity out of the kind of rock face of a constitution that was blind to it. But the second point, and it's just as important, is that to refuse to look around the world and see Mm -hmm. what is happening in the name of sort of religious zealotry Mm 
and ethno-nationalism and just rampant religious misogyny. And to say that can't touch us because we live on this island of, you know, uh, uh, irrevocable forward progress is just insane. And so I think both of those points are descriptively really important. One, (laughs) history is not ancient. In many, many ways, it's coming back. But also to think that, oh, just because it happened in Iran that women don't wear bell bottoms anymore uh, doesn't mean it can happen here is seem is is just short sighted to the point of myopic and dangerous. You know, it, it's it, what I find always so troubling, particularly in America, is our inability to look at other countries and to consider our own futures as being predicated by what we're seeing, right? And that that is why I wrote the piece about why American women need to pay attention to what is happening in Iran, because it's only 40 some odd years. It's 46 years, you know, 40, I think it's like 42 years since the Islamic Republic took over, right, um, Iran. And in that four decades, right, that they have seen a complete and total reversal and how women are allowed to present and show up in that country. And we have always looked down, I believe, in America at other nations and said, look how backwards they are. Oh, the women in Saudi Arabia just got the uh, recent ability to be able to drive. Well, look, like you're saying, talk to your own grandmothers who in their, their, your own grandmothers, talk to your own mothers about how old they were when they were able to get a credit card right? That was a 1974 law, I believe, that was passed in the United States. And so I, I, I want you to, to, to talk about why Dobbs, the Dobbs decision in June, is the canary in the coal mine. It isn't, it isn't the end-all, be-all. It is actually the beginning of how America, and I believe it won't take 40 years, right? I believe that it can take 10 or less than that for us to get to a place pre-1974. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what's the cliche? I mean, these things happen slowly and then quickly. And I think that we are caught up in the slow build of decades after Casey of one form of attack on reproductive rights, which was essentially we're going to use this pretext of caring about women and we want them to make good decisions. And as long as the clinics, you know, have them come back for two consults and as long as they're read these completely fact-free warnings about the correlation between suicidal ideation and abortion. Like, we just want them to be safe and happy. And that was decades, right? Those trap laws, you know, we just have to have wider corridors and we have to have doctors with admitting privileges. And then in less than a year, right, we see that when the opportunity comes to actually reverse Roe, we're seeing like, no, actually what we want is women to be incubators. We don't actually care about them making good decisions because we don't want them to make decisions at all. And because I think we haven't processed that turn and how quickly it happened, you still hear all this nonsense from states that are like, no, we care about maternal health. We care about fetal health. You know, thank you, Justice Barrett. We're just going to force women to, you know, carry to term, which is much, much more dangerous than terminating, but it's okay because they're going to drop the babies off at fire stations. And all of this fake solicitude for maternal health 
has just, I think, crumbled away in the span of the summer, right? And so you are exactly right. And I know you and I talk about this in other contexts. We're now not talking about abortion. We're talking about miscarriages. We're talking yep. about fetal endangerment. We're talking yep. about putting medication abortion in the mail. We're talking about women in Alabama who are stuck in jail, who cannot get out because the state has determined they will endanger their children with drug use, right? All of that just happened. In, and by the way, a lot of that has been happening before Dobbs. It's just that it happened principally to women of color and to poor women. All of that is happening. And, you know, as you said, there's no talk of, oh, we were lying when we said leave it to the states. What we mean is right. federal, federal abortion ban. Also, we're now just openly hearing about going after contraception next. You know, the whole checklist that Justice Thomas laid out in his uh, concurrence in in. Uh, Dobbs, you know, which is LGBTQ rights and all other, you know, determinants of what is private conduct and family conduct, all of that is on the table. And so to suggest that, you know, the same people who not four years ago were telling us in Whole Women's Health that really the only reason we needed wide corridors to push a gurney through in a clinic was so that women would be healthy and safe but that, you know, what we really wanted was the primacy of their health and their baby's health. And to see that just scuppered. And now it's like, we don't care because we just want them to be incubators. And if they die, they die. If they have to go septic before we uh, treat them, so be it. If they have to, um, you know, uh, have babies that are um, going to live for a few mo moments, suffer terribly and die, so be it. And so I think in some sense, this is another one of those things where if you didn't know this was coming, you weren't watching what was happening in Oklahoma to Brittany Pula. You know, if you didn't see this coming, you weren't watching what's been happening. You know, people like Dorothy Roberts have been writing about this for decades. And, uh, you know, as I said, I think because this was coming principally for uh, black and brown women and poor women, a lot of <laughs> other people were shocked when Dobbs uh, sort of sprawled out for us, that your very parenting decisions are now going to be criminalized. And it happened. And I think we haven't processed it in some, I would say in no small measure, because we don't want to reckon with the history of slavery and how women and Black women's bodies have been treated ever since. <laughs> Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. You know, and, and you mentioned slavery, and, and I'm also thinking, you know, not too recently, uh, during uh, the Trump administration, the sterilization of undocumented women, which we don't talk about, right? Which has happened, by the way, the sterilization of undocumented women 
under both Democrats and Republicans, uh, might I mention. And so, you know, there has been, Dahlia, an unrelenting war against women in this country for decades. And my question is, we understand that, but white women that have been voting with Donald Trump and have been voting with the Republican Party for the entirety of, of, of their voting age, the numbers went up from 2016 to 2020 in terms of who was showing out for Donald Trump. How, how do you think that white women reconcile the war that has been on their autonomy and them still voting alongside their husbands and their fathers? I mean, I think the short depressing answer is a failure to connect the dots. I think it is to look at this as abortion in isolation and all the ways that many privileged white women have told themselves for decades that this is not their problem. This is, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you are, you know, using abortion as birth control, you know, all the stereotypes about, you know, the kinds of women who get abortions and refusing, I think, to open the aperture and say, oh, wait, you know, my own miscarriage could now be subject to investigation and criminal charges because the state has determined that I uh, wasn't mischarging, uh, I wasn't, in fact, having a miscarriage, I was aborting. So I think that all of that kind of judgmental narrow-mindedness around reproductive freedom has been kind of blasted open. And I think when you start to hear the kinds of stories we're hearing this summer, which by the way, as you say, has been going on for years, you know, 10-year-old right. rape victim who has to cross yep. state lines, um, you know, women being forced to carry a non-viable fetus and leave the state uh, because she can't uh, uh, terminate in the state. You know, this is familiar, right? Now we're not talking mm -hmm. about abortion. Now we're talking about miscarriage, which one, one pregnancy in four. Now we're talking about uh, rape, which, as you always point out, you know, statistically, uh, one mm -hmm. woman in four. Now we're talking mm -hmm. about things that I think, even if you are utterly mired in the sort of judgmental, narrow-minded, you know, abortion is something that only, um, you know, uh, loose women who aren't mm -hmm, careful mm -hmm, need mm -hmm. to access. You're in a new world now. And so as absolutely awful as it is that these stories of women who are left to bleed out until they are in critical condition and the hospital's lawyer says, okay, now you can treat her. Every one of us, either had something like that happen or know somebody who's had something like that happen. And so the depressing, I think, answer to your depressing question is a total <laughs> failure of empathy and imagination, right? The total failure of this could have happened to me. Oh, wait, it did happen to me. You know, I had one of those miscarriages that had to be handled with a DNC that I think at this point, you know, some state actor could certainly have looked yep. at, at, at what I was doing. And so I think a lot of people who said this is, you know, a problem for black women in Alabama are now looking around and saying, oh, wait, this is when I send my child to college, this is a problem for them, too. And I hate that that's the answer. Failure of empathy, failure of imagination, failure to understand that you don't know what you don't know. But I think that's the answer. But the upside, I really do think, Danielle, is that people are starting to see that they don't know what they don't know. And by the way, this isn't just loose women who are using abortion as birth control. You know, I want 
to even go a step further with this, uh, with regard to your, they don't know what they don't know. Because I often say on this show that public education is the greatest perpetuator of white supremacy and also of patriarchy. And I say this because simple health education, sex education, reproductive education, comprehensive, would help us understand childbirth, would help us understand a woman's body, would help us understand the burden of labor, right? You had members of Congress and state legislatures, men who have no idea how a a woman's body works, right? Has no idea. Oh, just, just have the baby and drop it off as if pregnancy, nine months of growing a new human being inside of you is somehow easy on the body. And so I wonder, I, you know, and I bring this up because there are only three women in the South Carolina legislature. And now all of a sudden they're singing a different tune. They've been voting quote unquote pro-life until recently where one of them gave this floor speech about how disappointed she was with her male colleagues for not considering rape and incest and the well-being and the welfare of a, of a of a woman of the mother and then says she's voting against this legislation and oh we need more comprehensive sex education i said wait what where the hell have you been so I want you to talk about how these things go hand in hand, how we see these attacks on education, how we see these attacks on women, attacks on voting. And when you say we don't know what we don't know, it's strategic. I mean, you know, I'm going to land the place you and I always land, which is it's the culture, right? I mean, we have this pathetic, pathetic cultural conversation around women and childbirth in which every single movie ends with like, you know, a dewy faced blonde woman going, ah, 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 and then the baby pops out and it's six months old. And, you know, her, her <laughs> handsome strapping partner is like, and now we'll like take it to a restaurant. You know, like it's so insane that and Irene Carmone has written so gorgeously about like Actually, <laughs> here's what childbirth is like. It's not, in fact, uh, how Hallmark movies end. And I think part of it is just an Im- massively mm-hmm. impoverished cultural conversation. I, I, you know, I start the book, um, the first chapter. There's two things in the book that I think maybe answer some of this. You know, when the court heard oral argument in Griswold versus Connecticut, it was all men. And they were so freaked out. This is the case that was (laughs) raised the issue of whether you could use contraception in the privacy of a marriage. And the justices themselves, all men, were so freaked out, Danielle, about talking about this that they wouldn't name the devices. And so you go back and you read it and it's like a slip and slide, like Abbott and Costello comedy routine where they're like, oh, these devices, and they you don't have to name them, and they're all yucking it up. And it's like, if you can't name it, don't regulate it. Don't. Because Come if on. this makes you uncomfortable, don't, don't, you don't get to set 
the rules. And so I think that's like part of the problem is that we're so squeamish and we're so prudish and we're so puritanical that we don't want to talk about it, but we seemingly still want to regulate it. And I think we haven't moved that far from the days of Griswold where, you know, there are legislators. I mean, people are saying things like, but how can you pee with a tampon in? Like, again, that's not, you know, if you don't know how women's bodies work, like, don't sit down and let doctors do their jobs. And so that's part of it. The other thing that I think is just really essential and, and part of the answer to this is that so much of this stuff is bound up in slavery. So much of this is bound up in sort of the idea of women and their bodies as economic you know, uh, producers of, uh, of units of, mm, of future mm, slavery, children mm. taken away from their parents, fathers and mothers separated. The idea that your body belongs to a white man who can rape you with impunity, who can separate you from your children with impunity. And, you know, I, I know you've heard me bang on about this, but the 14th Amendment was drafted to fix that because there was nothing else in the Constitution that would fix the idea that women could be used that way. And so, which is why, you know, when you hear during Ketanji Brown Jackson's hearings, you know, Republican senators, including Marsha Blackburn, just being like, there's nothing about bodily autonomy and privacy in the Constitution. There is. It's right there. And it was meant to be a curative for the obscene ways in which Black women's bodies were utterly, utterly used at the whim of white men. And we've erased that history. You know, if we want to yep. go through all the history we want, mm -hmm. don't want to talk about. I didn't learn that, by the way, in law school, to be clear. And if you erase all the history, then it's not a surprise that like we're still living in the vestiges of a time when Justice Alito happily writes the Dobbs opinion, citing to the law of that moment. Mm. Dahlia, just, you know, quickly, one, uh, folks, everybody needs to pick up Lady Justice, Women, the Law, and the Battle to Save America, which is out now. We have a new term for the Supreme Court that is coming up. The last term gave America devastating blows. It was just nauseating. I didn't even want to be on Twitter. Um, between you, between Jen Taub, between Ellie Mistal, between Joyce, like I was just, please stop. Um, what can we expect uh, at a time when our belief in the system of the Supreme Court is at an all-time low? That no one, we, we, we. I mean, their their approval ratings are in the toilet. Not like they have to care because they're sitting on there until they're dead, right, or retire. So, what can we expect? And and. What recourse, if any, do the people ha have? Yeah, it's interesting. We're already seeing, I mean, the term starts the first Monday of October, and we're already seeing a lot of conservative commentators try to suggest that, oh, we're going to take the temperature down this year. There's nothing on the docket that's nearly as, you know, high profile as Dobbs. And, you know, first of all, Dobbs wasn't the only case last year. As you said, the court massively expanded gun rights. The court yep. tried to essentially kneecap the EPA and regulatory agencies. The court <laughs> allowed religion to enter the public sphere in a series yep. of cases that is shocking. Almost none of that got surfaced because we were all so busy reeling from Dobbs. Last term was, as you say, 
catastrophic, catastrophic in so many ways. And now we're heading into a term that really will, first of all, see, I think, the demise of affirmative action in higher education. That's already docketed. A bunch of voting rights cases that will probably do away with whatever's left of the Voting Rights Act after the court took you know, one whack at it in Shelby County and then another whack of it at it in Brnovich. Now there's going to be a, a, another opportunity to pretty much make the Voting Rights Act uh, utterly toothless. We have an Indian Child Welfare Act case that folks should really, really pay attention to because it is, as we've been saying throughout this entire conversation, an effort to usurp tribal prerogatives, their ability to keep families together, which is supposed to be a, a value, a constitutional value. And then, you know, the voting rights cases that are really, really chilling, uh, chief among them, this, uh, you know, uh, Morvey Harper case, which is a case yep. that <laughs> uses a made up prefab uh, notion of independent state legislature theory to hand all plenary power over elections to state legislatures. And the, 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 this is a whole different show, and I'm happy to come back when it's mm. argued, but mm -hmm. it's the most important case nobody's talking about. And the best way to describe it, I think I've said this to you before, is that the coup that John Eastman tried to pull in 2020, that judges laughed out of court, the notion that a state legislature could just say like, eh, whatever the legislature decides about this election is unreviewable. Is Yep. By state courts, it is uncheckable by the governor. That is coming in black robes. And if the court says it's fine, then the 2024 election is the, in the hands of legislatures in a way that John Eastman and Donald Trump and, and um, Jeffrey Clark were begging, begging state legislatures in Pennsylvania and Georgia to do in the 2020 election. Just send your own electors. electors. Nobody can do anything. That's coming, and it seems technical. It's really not technical. It is the most shocking power grab, born of nothing, no doctrine, and it's coming. And if the term uh, kind of plays out the way last term does, I'm sorry, if the term plays out the way last term did, this is a court that's not, I think, inclined to pump the brakes on any of those uh, uh, areas. I tell you, what this spells to me, Dahlia, is um, an impending revolution. And not and and I and I do not say that lightly. I have, but I have been saying this since 2016 that things in this country will get bloodier before they get better. We cannot look at Iran with with eyes that say, "Oh, poor them," because we are them, and this is where this country is headed. And it isn't an Islamic republic. It isn't the fear of foreign terrorists. It is the white supremacist, Christo fascists. Republican Party that is establishing their coup and putting them in black robes. Dahlia Lithwick, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. We appreciate you, your writing, your work all the time. Folks, again, the book is Lady Justice, Women, the Law, and the Battle to Save America on stands, on Amazon, everywhere you buy your books now. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Woke.
Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 